him an assertive debater, at least according to 16personalities.com. Everyone, anyone here ever take a personality test? Maybe Clifton Strengths, Strengths Finders, the Enneagram, Disc Assessment, some kind of personality test fires rapid-fire questions that you need to answer. Do you agree or disagree with the statement? Does it match you? Uh, how much, how accurately is it to you and who you are? What value do you see in all these questions? And then it spits out a label. Really more than a label, it's going to tell you what that personality means, the, the skills and the gifts that might come along with that personality. So 16 uh, personalities. It has all kinds of articles there where it's going to talk about how you can use this personality to your advantage and then also the weaknesses that you might need to avoid. It explains how this could be helpful or hurtful in romantic relationships, in your friendships, your workplace environment, parenting, it gives you all kinds of things to describe what this personality means for you. So here's a few quotes about my assertive debater self. It says, uh, debaters aren't afraid to disagree with the status quo. In fact, they're not afraid to disagree with pretty much anything or anyone. Oh boy. <laughs> or how about this one? It says, debaters are the ultimate devil's advocates, thriving on the process of shredding arguments and beliefs and letting the ribbons drift in the wind for all to see. That's me, apparently. <laughs> um, sometimes we might hesitate to discover our personalities. Maybe we're a little bit fearful about what it might say about us. But can there be value in understanding yourself better? And could it be possible that God has uniquely created you, gifted you with skills and abilities and a unique personality as a generous blessing to you that you might use in service to his kingdom and to the advancement of the gospel? Can you experience generosity in who you are and continue to be that conduit of God's own generosity that we talked about last week. Can you continue to be that conduit of his generosity through your personality? And my answer is yes, yes, yes. That you can be a conduit for God's generosity through your unique skills and personality. And if you're taking notes, that's the first thing you can write down today, and I hope and I pray that you will see that this is a biblical answer, that this is what Paul highlights as he writes to the Christians who were living in the city of Rome in the first century when he said to them, therefore I urge you brothers and sisters in view of God's mercy to offer your bodies as living, as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. God calls you to offer the makeup of your person, your physical bodies, your, your skills, your abilities, the gifts that he has given to you. Whether those are mental abilities, whether those are, are emotional abilities, skills that you have with your hands, skills that you have with 
speaking, skills that you have with technology, skills that you have with relating to other people, whatever those skills might be, your whole entire life can be offered to God as a living sacrifice. Which radically changes the next 167 hours of your week. Because Paul says that this is true and proper worship. Now you're here to worship right now, right? You came here, you came here to, to sing songs, to, to pray, to confess your sins and, and receive the forgiveness and absolution that God makes clear in his word. You're here maybe to listen to a message from a pastor, sing some more songs, pray together, maybe give an offering, and, and that's worship. And then you receive a blessing and, and then worship is done, right? Except that's not what Paul called true and proper worship. Now, Paul wants you to think about Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday too and Saturday and the rest of Sunday and think about how every moment of every day is an opportunity for you to worship. So what will you do in the next 167 hours of your week? That in those next 167 hours of week, as you live your life, you can carry out, you can approve what God's will is in the way that you use your personality, your character strengths, your skills, the gifts and abilities that God has given you because God has molded you to be a unique person with unique gifts, unique blessings, a unique personality so that you can be a blessing in his kingdom. And there is so much joy in that. Except when we don't see it. Because sometimes we don't. And sometimes we fail to use our gifts and our blessings. Sometimes we maybe misuse or abuse our personality, our skills. And we don't always use them for the good of God's kingdom. Do you struggle to think that you have any skills? Do you feel less than gifted? Do you maybe question and wonder if the gifts and the skills that you have could actually be useful for God's kingdom? And so you dismiss that you have any opportunity to serve God. As you look at your own life, as you look at who you are, whatever skills you feel that you have, your personality, maybe you question and you deny that that could possibly be useful for God and for his kingdom. But then, you deny what God himself says about you. You deny his miraculously creative power that he has used to design you. It denies his generosity in how he has brought you into that kingdom and into the body of Christ. Because God has been overly generous to you and also 
in your personality, your skills, and the opportunities that you have to serve. So let's not fail to use our skills. And let's also not misuse them or abuse those skills and abilities. Uh, in a discussion that I once had, we were talking about uh, strengths finders, Clifton Strengths, if you're familiar with that. Uh, personality test tells you different strengths you have and talks about your top five. We had a discussion, a training that I was in on that. We talked about how every single one of those strengths can have a balcony where you're on top. You're using that strength for the best possible purposes, the best possible reasons, and with the best possible outcomes. But every single strength that you have can also have a basement. Every single strength that you have, it can become a liability, a, a problem. Our sinful nature makes it really easy to fall into the basement of our personalities, to fall into the basement of our skills and our strengths. Those 16 personalities and those articles it had as it talked about how I am an assertive debater, I realized a few things. I realized that I could, I could really hurt somebody pretty quickly when I criticize their work without being sensitive to how that might affect them, affect their motivation, affect their excitement to do that work and to serve. Because of that assertive, confident nature of my personality, I may very quickly dismiss constructive criticism from another person and miss growing as a person. That assertive personality also means that one of my weaknesses might be intolerance for other people's thoughts and ideas. Maybe some of you have experienced that in me. And if so, I'm sorry. In those moments when we misuse our gifts, our skills, our personalities, when, when we hurt other people, it's an opportunity for us to confess. It's an opportunity for us to seek their forgiveness. It's an opportunity for us to connect, confess to our God, seek his forgiveness, and then to rejoice once again in the overwhelming generosity of our God. And so whether we have failed to use our gift, failed to use the way that God has created us, the unique skills and blessings he's given to us, or if we have misused them or abused them, we need to start right where Paul starts. We must start in view of God's mercy. The incredible generosity of God. And so Paul elevates God's generosity. He puts it front and center, right in front of our eyes, to be the focal point for us, the foundation when we talk about our gifts, our skills, that we start right here with the generous mercy of our God. Because it's God's generous mercy that would be the reason that we would ever think that we could be of service to his kingdom in the first place. The generous mercy of Jesus. 
I don't know what Jesus' top five strengths are. I don't know if 16 personalities would call him a campaigner, a defender, or an adventurer, but here's what I do know. I know that Jesus was holy and perfect in his personality. I know that Jesus always used his skills, his talents, his ability, his time, all of it, always for the good of the kingdom of God. Every single day, every single hour of every single week of his life. Even as he lived in humility, as he came to serve us, he used all of his talents, all of his time, fully and completely for the kingdom of God. And Jesus, who was uniquely gifted for his role, his purpose, he owned that so fully that nothing would stop him from the path of the cross. He approved God's will. He carried out God's good, holy, and pleasing will as he went to that cross for your salvation and mine. And there on that cross, Jesus offered his body as a living sacrifice. He offered it to death. And when he died, when his lungs breathed that last breath, when his heart stopped pumping on that cross, it was the payment that counted for every single time that you and I have failed to use our gifts. Every single time that you and I misused or abused the gifts and skills that God has given to us, Jesus paid that price on the cross. And God's overwhelming generosity didn't stop there because then God used his almighty divine power to raise Jesus up from the dead to assure us that we have a new life to assure us that in Jesus we have been rescued for all eternity and we have been redeemed for a life of purpose right now. And so as we focus on God's generous mercy, as we start there, and as we live with purpose, then there are three practical steps that we can carry out. In view of God's mercy... Number one, discover your gifts. Paul wrote this. He said, For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. Sober judgment is not self-loathing. Sober judgment is not about denying your gifts. It's not about negativity for how God has created you. It is about objectivity and using objectivity to evaluate the gifts and the skills that God has given to you. So ask a friend. Take a personality test. Use modern psychology to help you understand yourself better pray to God that he would open up your mind to the gifts and the skills that he has given to you and how you can use them in service to his church. Listen to your parents, to your teachers, to your peers as they highlight for you paths that you might take in your life. Discover the unique way 
that God has created you, the unique skills that God has given to you, whether those are people skills or mental skills, emotional skills, musical skills, trade skills, discover them. Discover the areas of ministry that excite you, for which you can be enthusiastic and zealous, in which you will thrive, and then seek out that service. Put yourself in those situations where you can use your time and your talents. And if it's a ministry that we don't have here, create it. Ask. So for a moment, I want to address all of you who are committed to Divine Savior Church, who have called Divine Savior Church your church home. So this isn't everybody here, maybe. But for those of you who are in that role, in that spot, I want to ask something of you, the practical challenge for this week. Every single week we've had a practical challenge, so this is the practical challenge for this week. I want you to go into your My DSC profile. If you have no idea what that means, here's the webpage. That's where you go, divinesavior.ccbchurch.com. You're going to find this login screen. You can log in. If you don't have a login, ask me. If you don't know how to get there, ask me. Log in and find your MyFit profile. So go into your profile, find actions, go down to MyFit, and you can fill out things that you're excited about, ministries that you want to be involved in. It's a tool, and it's not a perfect tool, but it's a tool that can help us. It can help you to discover where you might be eager to serve. It can help our leadership team to understand where we might invite you to serve, and you might find passion and joy and excitement in that. So that's my practical challenge because we need to help each other that's the second thing practical thing in view of god's mercy rely on the body of christ paul said this he said just as each of us has one body with many members and these members do not all have the same function so in christ we though many form one body And each member belongs to all the others. This is an amazing comfort. Because you don't have to do it alone. You don't have to be the one to carry out God's will in completion for everyone. Jesus has already done that. But you also don't have to accomplish God's mission on earth solely on your own. You are part of the body of Christ. God has made you to be a unique part with your unique gifts and skills so that we can work together to carry out his mission. So earlier with our children, I showed them how many different parts of the body are involved in throwing a football. We work together for a far greater purpose than throwing a football, scoring a touchdown, or winning a game. We work together to launch the gospel of Jesus, the good news of what Christ has done for all people into our community. We work together to catch the lost, hurting, and broken souls who need to know about Jesus' forgiveness for them. We work together to carry our brothers and sisters across the finish line of their life and to celebrate the victory that is ours in Christ Jesus. And as we rely on the body of Christ, then Christ allows you to lean into your giftedness. 
Again, Paul said we have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. And then he goes on to list, if this is your gift, do it well. If this is your gift, if it's prophesying, prophesy. If it's giving, give generously. If it is leading, do it diligently. Lean into your gift. I think that's a little bit tough in our world, in our culture, because we strive to create well-rounded individuals. We kind of give this idea and this impression that in order to be worth anything, you have to be good at everything. And it just isn't true. Yes, of course, there is value in knowing and understanding different experiences, different paths that your life might take. But there's an opportunity for you to find the way that God has generously and uniquely gifted you and to lean into that. To lean into your skills, whether that's empathy or evangelism or entertaining or entreating God in prayer. To lean into your gifts, whether that is sympathy or stewardship or solving problems or studying theology or serving or set up. To lean into that, to be a blessing as you lean into your unique giftedness. And then, once again, rely on your brothers and sisters in Christ as they lean into theirs. And so we get the privilege to be this conduit of God's generosity once again. In the mercy of the gospel, and as you give your life as that living sacrifice, look at what Paul says. It is holy and pleasing to God. That is amazing. We might look at our life, we might look at our gifts and our skills and the way in which we serve, and we might see all kinds of flaws. We might see all kinds of weaknesses. We might see all kinds of failures, but you know what God sees? He sees Jesus. He sees works that are holy and pleasing to him. And he celebrates it. He says to you, well done, good and faithful servant. And so when you discover your gifts, when you rely on the body of Christ and you lean into your own unique giftedness, you once again experience the generosity of God as he declares that to be holy and pleasing when we use our time and our talents for the kingdom of God. Amen.